here we are with my top 10 uh, album opening track. Earbuds and earworms, and I'm Amy. I actually start all my albums with spoken words, <laughs> Shepard, and this is uh, Mitchell Manley. Strong open, <laughs> strong open. I, I don't know. I, I just kept thinking of Tarantino. Yeah, Tarantino always starts his with like a little bit of a story, which meant I was like, dang, all of those songs are officially out. Yeah, yeah. This, of course, this this week is album openers, and this came from like your master list, right? Yeah, I think Lum suggested this, like track one, you know, side one, track one, whatever the first album or first track off of an, your one of your favorite albums, you know. Ah, okay, yeah, and the easy way to say that is album album openers. Yeah, which, I mean, not maybe not so easy. No. A- album openers. Yeah, I'm yeah. not that good at it. I, I did resist the urge to bring any Strauss family waltzes because, yeah. of course, they always like front load it with the Blue Danube. And just, I like the Strausses a lot. They're really cool. Nothing wrong with that. I like to hang out with them. What did you bring this week? So I'm going to start us off with Big Business, and they have a song called Just As The Day Was Dawning. We featured Big Business once before, but I actually got to see them live last night alongside some of our uh, amazing ear buddies. That, so That explains the shirt. Yeah, I'm wearing my Big Business shirt that I got at the show last night. Yeah, it's cute. Um, yeah, so I'm excited about playing them today. Uh, this is the opening track off of their album, Here Comes the Waterworks, uh, which is one of my favorite records of all time. This song kind of sets the stage for the rest of the album, instantaneously introducing the listener to like the pummeling war drums of Cody Willis. And the massive wall of fuzz bass coming from Jared Warren. A lot of the music has like cool time shifts and riffs that are in weird phrasing, but it's all played full force, just full confidence, full steam ahead. So it feels like you're just caught in an earthquake, just unpredictable and turbulent. And then on top of being a juggernaut of rhythm and power, the vocals are some of my favorite in all of heavy music. Uh, they're shouty, but not screamy. So you can like vaguely understand some of the words. <laughs> and occasionally they're very theatrical and lots of uh, harmonies and major keys which makes it sound very anthemic and epic uh obviously you and the ear buddies uh, know that i have eclectic taste but a band like big business really sums up a huge swath of my aesthetic you know it's like that thunder pop that sunshine sludge you know so this is officially like sun sunshine sludge i can't speak yeah I, I'd, I'd call big business uh in that realm you yeah. know some of their songs are, are less sunshiny than others but a lot of it uh, is, is indeed very sunshiny. Well, I was like, dang. Uh, I have a joke. Oh, God. It's, this is so heavy, I dropped it on my toe. Yeah. You, <laughs> it's. Um, we should probably redefine what a joke is. Okay. But, you know. Sorry. Or a pun, I don't know. <laughs> 
that's it. I'm like a dad joke. Let me, yeah, that's let me a, pull up my overalls. Yeah. Um, I agree that it's not shouty while it still is like super, super heavy. And it's got this very intricate and driving situation that's going on. And would this be considered mathy? Yeah, they, they get the weird time shifts and, and stuff like that, kind of mathy. Yeah, and also uh, the mixing is a lot of what makes this like really cool for being like very heavy music. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not just, you know how like if you have a bunch of paints and you swirl them all together and they turn like either like a brown or a gray, mm-hmm. um, this doesn't turn into that. It's like keeps the rainbow. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of low end, but everything has its own little place to sit. Yeah, and, uh, it's yeah. got its own little shelf and you can hear everything clearly, which right. I think probably takes a lot of talent for mixing. Yes, it's very important. Yeah, uh, it's very nature centered as a theme and like it's seasonal and mm-hmm. it also makes sense with the transitions into the different parts of the song while they're very distinct parts uh you have this driving beat that's continually coming at you like the seasons of the year are continually coming at you and mm-hmm. also dang march is almost over yeah this year's going by pretty quick yeah i don't understand how this is happening but yes i felt like the driving beat of this song going through the seasons of the year definitely definitely very much like years coming at you mm-hmm. i didn't get as heavy that's quite all right it's, it's a little lighter i brought Monument Valley 2's soundtrack, The Opener, Impossible Worlds. soundtrack from this series of games so let alone does this song remind me that i'm back home in one of my favorite game series but it has this like synthy vibe that always soothes the living snot out of me Uh, i've played this series three times through like pretty much every year i'll play it through and while it seems nuts to absolutely adore a phone game it truly is one of the most audibly beautiful and visually beautiful things that a phone can bring you and there's just so much repetition and it probably falls close to like lo-fi hip-hop that mm-hmm. well i i have shown some definite like love for and also i just replayed the game so yeah yeah i've never even heard of this game but the music rules uh and yeah we we know you're all about that lo-fi <laughs> hip-hop chill beats you know yep. is a prime example of that sort of thing the rhythms and the sense are very dynamic and exciting but the overall vibe of the song is chill and laid back, which seems super conducive to a puzzle game uh, where you want like upbeat music to keep your brain activated and engaged, but you don't want the music to be distracting. So, yeah, I may have to use this uh, to start studying, too. It's so good. Have, I have to play the game. Have, have you played the game? Mm-mm. Oh, have you looked at like any videos of people nope. playing the game? Oh, I assume it's, it's a puzzle game. It is a puzzle game. It sounds game. like it has to be a puzzle game. Yeah, and it's just this very, very beautiful puzzle game about like geometry and it's kind of escher-esque yeah it's so i'm sorry i, I can't you know there's a lot of really cool influences in this uh yeah. 
a lot of Brian Eno and uh, other I, weird synth influences. It kind of reminds me of Massive Attack, but not without yeah. like not with the real instruments. Yeah, so, I'm with you. Yeah, our ear buddies. I think they know more about the opening tracks of yeah, things they, than I we, do. We got several. <laughs> yeah, and wow, I just you know what's amazing about album openers is we don't think of albums as what they are anymore and it's really yeah. cool that like we're bringing towards the forefront like the album openers joshua t brings us in first with pixie's debaser Pixies. Oh, yeah. The Pixies played last night in Memphis. I didn't get to go, but it sounds amazing. I love Black, uh, Black Francis or Frank Black or whatever he feels like going by. Um, Shane Andalusia. You know, I don't really speak French or whatever, but I love the... There's something so amazing whenever he's singing this. And uh, there's a surrealist film, I think, that they're referencing, and it's not mainly by Dolly, but it's involving Dolly, and it just seems very on brand for the Pixies to have a song about it. And it's a gravelly shout singing that are, like, put up against the soft, lovely tones. And Debaser is just one of these iconic songs, and I can't believe, like, they opened with Debaser. Like... There's yeah. so many good things on that album. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> sets the tone for the rest of this album, too. Uh, like you said, Pixies also played in Memphis last night. Uh, mm-hmm. While I was at Big Business, there were a lot of people listening to the Pixies and watching Weezer. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, the, the Pixies super influential, and this record really encompasses a lot of what was unique to the Pixies at the time. Um but kind of became textbook for all the bands that came after them. Uh, this record, which was called Doolittle, uh, used a lot of the uh, quiet, loud, quiet, loud shifts and dynamics and a lot of like raucous guitar tones. And both of those kind of became a mainstay in grunge and other hard rock. So, you know, even like slightly heavier bands like Nirvana and Monster Magnet, they owe a lot to the to the post-punk experimentation of the Pixies. Uh, This album also highlights the Pixies' ability to write an upbeat, catchy rock song on one hand and then follow it up with a darker, more forlorn, like, moody song and then bring it right back up again (laughs) on the next track. You know, you really can't put the Pixies in a box, and I think that that sort of range is evident in any good band. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, you you really can't complain when they change their sound from album to album when they don't really have a single sound to begin with. You know, it's just like you can't can't pigeonhole the Pixies. I feel like they're extremely good at, like, capturing moods. Yeah, Yeah. definitely a very mood-oriented band. And David brings us back with another mood-oriented band. Absolutely. Massive Attack's Angel. You 
attack is just so lovely and moody and while their tones are like very varying especially across songs and there's like all sorts of moods that they have created overall this one is like it's like slightly on the edge of like being creepy and obviously they create this mood with like guitars and vocals and honestly listening to this album album opener reminds me that although i like portishead massive attack still just like since i've learned about them yeah they do this so well and i mean for this being the opener and you know that the rest of this album is just mind-blowing yeah, I like Massive Attack. Yeah, this is definitely uh, one of my favorite picks from this week. I, you know, whenever I was in my late teens and early 20s exploring like the seminal stuff of the 90s that I kind of missed out on because I was too young to appreciate it at the time, uh, this Massive Attack record, which is called Mezzanine, was one of the mainstays of my music collection. Uh, this song starts so dark and brooding and mysterious and kind of brings in more elements slowly and just like wraps you up in that trip hop trance and just makes things super moody and subdued. And then the guitars drop in and the drums swell up and things just get epic and apocalyptic. Uh, and then the rest of the record just takes you on a journey through a million other emotions. Uh, this album also has that song Teardrop, yep. which you'll know is the theme from House. Yep. <laughs> uh, and, and just several other songs that I consider to be trip-hop canon. Uh, them and Portishead, you know, I definitely couldn't even compare one to the other. They're just both brilliant and both pioneers of, of what trip-hop is all about to me. Super seminal for 19-year-old Mitchell, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's I don't know, like, how how both these bands create songs are just it's so amazing and you're right like it is unfair to compare the two but massive attack i think it's because of the house probably the house yeah collium brings the police synchronicity one They didn't want you to forget the name of the album. I swear that I don't know enough of the police. Synchronicity is about timing, and definitely this song has such a cool time thing going on. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's a cool time thing. Uh, it is just kind of unexpected. If all you know is that one song, and apparently this is the album opener for the same album mm-hmm. with that one song that I know you're thinking about, it's just kind of nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's definitely a weird and eclectic record, and this song really sets the stage for what you're in for, you know. This album, it draws influence from, like, prog rock and post-punk, and even from, like, Latin and African music. Uh, like you said, it's got the cliche, every breath you take. <laughs> uh, so if you're burned out on that song, totally understandable. But even that song, within the context of the album, provides sort of an interesting backseat from the power and drive of the rest of the album. Uh, Sting is usually the typical focus when people bring up the police, but in this song and all over the record, their drummer, Stuart Copeland, definitely the real star. 
just incredible control and dynamics and his playing style draws from a lot of different influences and just weaves in and out of the beat and crosses over measures and just somehow ties all these disparate elements of their band and just this flurry of powerful rock just chugging along like an engine just pushing you through the changes with confidence and flair uh, Stuart Copeland definitely one of the best drummers in rock and yeah the police would probably suck without him <laughs> what about that one song even that that one song <laughs> yeah okay uh, Mary brings incubus privilege says this album is life i apologize for giggling at him looking for a back door each time <laughs> i giggled each time uh this was never an album i had but i'm i'm pretty sure i was listening to them for years through the drywall uh the dj record scratch thing right in the middle kind of really breaks up this song quite a bit and i really appreciate it. the enunciation totally sets this band apart from others of the era and yeah. there's definitely this like quality to the music that is very clearly like 90s 2000s to me but alas i can't quite define it it might just be because it was what was on the other side of the hall yeah, yeah. no i think you definitely bring up something about the the enunciation of of his words brandon boyd the singer for incubus uh had a lot of fun turns of phrases and the words were very important to their music and in a time when a lot of other bands were just screaming or just like <laughs> being kind of mush mouth about what they were singing just because it served aggression in their music or whatever. Like Brandon Boyd from Incubus really wanted to articulate uh, yeah. a, a particular message. And, and so I thought that's kind of cool. A very interesting point you brought up. Is this part of the same era as like the offspring? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Like this is definitely early two thousands. Yeah. Um, I believe this album came out in like 2001, maybe. Yeah. Huh. Maybe yeah. even before that, 99. It's good. Um, yeah, I definitely have to agree with Mary that this album is indeed life. Uh, I remember being in seventh grade, and one of my teachers was super cool and hip, and she had a son my age who was into a lot of the same music as I was. I, I know, know who this is. Do you really? <laughs> yes. Talking about Jeff Yelverton. Yep. Wow, that's awesome. Yep. Yeah, so one morning she caught me before class and, and showed me a drawing that her son had done of a dude bursting into flame with the lyrics from Incubus's Pardon Me written around it. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I had heard the name Incubus, but never really listened to him so i immediately found the song pardon me when i got home and just thought it was the raddest thing ever so i went and bought this album which is called make yourself and about 15 seconds into this opening track i was already in love with the record uh it's just like so rocking and lots of melody and off-kilter rhythms and the vocal harmonies uh brandon boyd and mike einziger their guitar <laughs> player just have 
perfect vocal harmonies, really ambitious and creative stuff. Uh, I remember some of my friends had only heard the song Drive, which was one of their like softer, more chill songs, and I had to explain that Incubus was actually like a rockin' band, and that the rest of the album was super creative, and you know their guitarists use a lot of weird effects and spacey noises, and you know the turntable thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, even today, although I won't defend everything that Incubus has released, I'll defend Make Yourself Till I Die. That that album just rules. Can so I, many good songs. That is so cool that his mom like was like, oh, yeah, you. man. Because like, I would come to school in corn shirts and stuff. She's like, yeah, I took my son to see corn last week or whatever. I was like, and you like went into the show and you watched the show with him. She's like, yeah, I love it. It's great. Corn rules. I was like. Miss Yelverton, you rule. She really does. She's friends with me on Facebook. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm st- I still talk to her very, very regularly as well. She, she's so. If you're awesome. out there, Norma. You're awesome. Yeah, you're so awesome. Brian V brings Smashing Pumpkins, Cherubrock. reminds me of the cute girls on the front of the album just like mm-hmm. these cute little cherub like children in the front just being kids uh the vocal quality range from sweet and soft to this kind of grating uh always like sets billy poopy head aside from the <laughs> others um which i just can't i wish i could separate him from his actions it's tough i know it's such a cool groove and i have no idea what any of this means but i like that hipsters are uniting even if it is like in a negative connotation within the song and i believe this is somehow related to like them supposedly being sellouts before they even release their first album yeah something like something that something like that which come on i, I don't like the concept of bands being sales because i think making money is not a, yeah. not a bad thing like if you get paid to make your art i think it's not any less art I billy agree. poopy head still billy poopy <laughs> though. so yeah hands down this is my favorite smashing pumpkin song it's one of the best riffs in rock history and just played with the searing crushing guitar tone the guitar solo is like very melodic and hummable which leaves the whole song just stuck in your head uh, this is another example of an incredible drummer helping gel together a really ambitious song. Uh, in this case, by giving the the different parts just enough push and pull and just enough dynamic breath to like make the verses really breezy, and then the choruses and the bridge parts really huge and mountainous. Uh, and of course, the rest of this album, Siamese Dream, just a tour de force of amorphous rock. Uh, they picked up a lot of the post-punk, pre-grunge stuff that the Pixies put down. And then added a lot of lessons from shoegaze and dream pop and prog rock uh, and made something truly unique and and pretty unparalleled at the time. You know, there was nothing else really sounded anything like Smashing Pumpkins when this album came out. Mm -hmm. And that became one of like the most iconic albums of the time. So even though he's a poopy head, he (laughs) made good art. Yeah. Uh, Ben brings Starflyer's 
Starflyer 59, the contest completed. It's bigger dreams that make them leave. Oh my, look at what it's done to me. It feels like a knife. It's just I needed to be in a contest One of my favorite pans brought out an absolute gem to open this one. Whoa. The opening notes are so, like, fun as heck and are very, like, flaming lipsy to me. Mm-hmm. I just felt so joyful immediately. It's very mellow and layered. And while you go with this, like, funky intro in here, and it just, like, just goes and creates from there. It's just so simply enjoyable to get lost in this song. Yeah, it takes you on a joy ride. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Starflyer 59 is a band that drew a lot from their contemporaries but still managed to be unique and kind of stay ahead of the curve. Uh, their early stuff is very spacey, very shoegazy, and a bit more raucous than this song, uh, which it was a very characteristic sound of a lot of the shoegaze peers at the time uh, in the early 90s and mid-90s. Uh, but Starflyer evolved a lot over their career, and by this album, which was called Talking Voice versus Singing Voice, <laughs> uh, they had learned to dial in that same heaviness that they got from doing the quiet, loud thing, but doing it by like staying mostly laid back and just letting the shifts in mood and instrumentation push the dynamics instead of just volume and intensity. Uh, they no longer needed the fuzz pedals to get your attention because they reeled you in with like hypnotic guitars and just like trap you in their sway rather than pummeling you with raw noise. Uh, I never really did go deep on Starflyer, but they're absolutely one of the like transition bands that got me deeper into shoegazy like space rock kind of music. So I can totally see this being one of Ben Rickett's favorite uh, favorite bands. Yeah, it's it's really just it, it's one of those songs where you can just lay back into it and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I just like it. I just like Ben Ricketts always has songs I just like. We've got some really, really great ear buddies with <laughs> yeah. great taste. It's it's a pretty, pretty I'm good so position glad y'all in. guys have great taste because I've just been listening to the fame by Lady Gaga all yeah. week. Yeah. <laughs> you can always reach out to us on the Twitters. You are at Pow I Gotcha. I'm at Madam Wole, and you can always find the show at END Pod. The Facebook group where you can essentially just make all of your playlist ever necessary is Earbuds and Earworms podcast group. Our voicemail line is 731-400-BUDS or 731-400-2837. You can email the show. Please not any more insurance, please. Uh, endpod at gmail.com. And you can find the show online with whatever cool show pick I come up with is endpod.com, part of the 10710 network. Ooh, I like this song. Um, what were we closing out with? All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave us with a song from Best Coast called Boyfriend. Uh, this is the opening track of 
off of their 2010 debut album called Crazy For You. Uh, it's a very chill record musically. Best Coast is from Los Angeles. And though some of the songs are lyrically a bit depressive and sad, all the songs are just soaked in that sunshiny California surf vibe. Uh, my favorite part of the song is the chorus. It's got these gorgeous background vocals, just oohs and ahs, and a really neat half-timey drum beat that just makes it very dramatic and emotional sounding. So uh, I hope everyone else enjoys this album opener as much as I did. This is Best Coast Boyfriend. Easy way to say it as Alvin Alvin openers. Yeah. 